Welcome to Syntax, where we deliver tasty treats for web developers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Syntax. Today, we're going to have sort of a, a Q&A show or like, like mini treats show where we don't have one specific topic, but we're going to sort of rattle through uh, a bunch of questions that, that we sort of have. It doesn't necessarily have enough to make up an entire show, but uh, enough to, to have some nice little Q&A. So, um, Scott, how are you doing today? I'm tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's uh, having a, you know, four month old is can be rough sometimes. And Very rough. Slowly, uh, slowly waking up here, but um, doing my best. How about you? That's good. That's good. I'm doing pretty good. We also had a, a bit of a rough night. I, uh, I just got home last night or last afternoon. Uh, a trip to I was in New Orleans for CSS DevConf, which was super fun. It's a, always a really fun conference. I met a whole bunch of really cool people, learned a lot about CSS, and I did a job. I'm always the guy that comes and does a JavaScript talk at a CSS conference. Uh, and then I did a React workshop, so that was really fun. And then my wife and I sort of took a couple days to hang out in New York before, uh, before coming home. So uh, feeling good, but also feeling tired. <laughs> yeah, nice. A little uh, hangover from the, the trip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, let's jump right into it. This this is going to be all over the place in terms of uh, soft skills, hard skills, whatever. I thought we'd start off with a, a very technical one, which is do you use REMS, EMS, or Pixels, or VWVH, or, or whatever? Like, what is the best way? And what are, your th what are your thoughts on that, Scott? Yeah, I largely, for the most part, use REMS for everything. Uh, I like them because I don't have to worry about the container potentially having that multiplication effect or whatever you would want to call that. Uh, but yep. yeah, I, I use REMS as relative units. Um, I use I use pixels for things like the height of my header. Uh, but I guess I don't always. Sometimes I do. I, I, I don't I use pixels occasionally, but not not I don't really intend on I use the viewport. Uh, the viewport dimensions a lot, the VH, VW. Yeah, those are great. There's, those are absolutely great. The moment that I felt like I could use them, I was all on board, like 100% on that train. So yeah, I use REMS, I use the viewport widths and heights, and then yeah, I occasionally use pixels. I find myself never using EMS really ever since REMS came into the picture. Ever since that came out? Yeah. Okay, so some follow-up questions. Uh, what about media queries, pixels or REMS? Uh, oh, pixels. This is where I use pixels. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then what about, uh, what, what's your base font size if you're using REMS? Hmm. I, set that to like 10? I don't do that. I did for a little while when I was like transitioning into REMS, I would set them to 10. But now I guess it's based on the design that I'm working with. And I'll, yeah. I'll set I'll set my, my one REM to whatever my, my body font size is. Typically 16, but just uh, yeah. if, it, if it is 18 or you know, 24 or something like that, depending on the, the size of the, um, the current design or something. I'll, I'll just add to my body side and by body font size. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm in a similar boat. Um, maybe I should, for those who uh, haven't used a whole lot of REMS or EMS, let me explain real quick. Um, the idea with pixels is what you say is, is what you get uh, rendered out to the screen. You set something to be 100 pixels, it will render out 100 pixels to the screen. Um, with EMS, the way that it works is that uh, you can set something to be uh, like 1M. And then let's say that that renders out to be 10 pixels. 
And then if you have something inside of that container and you set that to be 2M, then it's it's going to be two times whatever the parent is. And, and what can happen is that as you start to move stuff around or nest things, it gets really out of control because it's always based. It, it sort of just like multiplies itself as you nest it. So if you have font size, whatever M nested inside of something else that has a font size nested in something else that has a font size, then you start to get in trouble where this thing is sort of uh, going off of each other. So uh, I don't use that a whole lot. However, there is a very good use case for M's, and that is when you want your entire container to scale up proportionately. So if you have uh, like, let's say you have a widget where you have a H2 tag and a, a paragraph tag and your H2 tag needs to be twice the size of your paragraph tag. So you could set your uh, H2 to be uh, 1M or a two M's and you set your paragraph to be one M and then you set the entire parent container to be like font size 10 PX. And then if you just want to double everything up and you want to just sort of like proportionately scale it all the way up, then you just change the font size of the actual container. And that's, that's really nice. I, I don't run into that all that often. Um, but when you do need proportional, uh, M's does come in very handy for that. Yeah. I think it's more likely that the design itself, like at a break point, is scaling in some sort of way, like overall, right? Yeah, exactly. And REMS is uh, is all based on the HTML tag font size. So it doesn't do any of this multiply multiplying. It stands for root M. So you set the you set the font size on your HTML tag. And that's exactly what I do is I set the font size to be 10 PX on my HTML tag. Um, and then I always know that if I need something to be a 20 pixels, I set it to be two rems and I sort of set it. The, the reason why I set it to be 10 PX is so that um, to maintain my sanity in terms of trying to convert uh, over to at the end of the day. So that's pretty nice to be able to do. Um, and then I do use pixels for uh, for sizing all of my media queries. I know that there's a lot of people that like try to like convert it in rems and stuff like that. But I, I've never, ever run into the situation where I need to scale up or down my media queries. Yeah, um, I personally don't see the benefit there at all. At the end of the day, everyone's trying to just calculate pixels in their head. So um, that's actually one one cool thing I did see is I once had a student who accidentally designed their entire website when they had zoomed in two times. Um, and their media queries just weren't making sense. And they're like, why is this media query not making? And then I just like hit the command zero or <laughs> command minus and it zoomed the entire website out. And they're like, oh, oh. no. <laughs> but because they had uh, they had done everything in REMS, they were able just to, uh, it was like a two minute fix. I could scale everything up proportionately, which is kind of cool. Yeah, right. Nice. Yeah, I really love using uh, REMS for things like margins. Uh, and then when you can you can set up a whole nice little vertical rhythm system going and then you know that like one space at one rem is always going to be, you know, fitting with your vertical rhythm and then two rems is still just going to be a little bit bigger, but still fitting with that same rhythm and three rems, four rems and so on. And uh, I, re I definitely really like using it for things like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, rems and pixels are good. I, there was like, I don't know, I don't know if this is still the case, but there's a sort of this like pixel shaming going around a couple of years yeah. ago when when rems came out and you sort of like do all that you can to dance around using pixels. But at the end of the day, our screens are made out of pixels. So uh, that's what it's all calculated out to be at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So uh, all right. Next one is uh, what activity um, this is from Amanda McNeil. So I asked on Twitter for, for some questions. Uh, what activity that isn't developer related do you feel most benefits you as a developer? So I don't know if you have anything for this, Scott. 
Yeah, so for me, that most benefits me as a developer, yeah, I would say it maybe is is dancing because there's a lot of creativity and perseverance through uh, working through things. Like for me, breaking is not like one of those things that comes easy. It took me eight months to learn the move the windmill if you look up the windmill it took me eight months of like practicing that every day and uh it takes a lot of persistence and and try and see what's going wrong fix that problem try again see what's going wrong fix that problem try again and not being frustrated and not being like angry with not being able to do these things because at the end of the day it's all about personal advancement so you know i use breaking a lot when i talk about web development stuff but definitely i'd say it's taught me uh, a lot of these like troubleshooting and patient skills uh, that have definitely carried through into my programming. Awesome. That's I, I'm pretty much on the same uh, same wavelength as well. I think the the two other things that um, are a big part of my life right now is as cooking. I really like to cook. Um, I'll often spend weekends. I'm really into smoking meat. I'm really into like techniques. So mm-hmm. uh, like whether it's I just got a new sous vide a couple like, was a couple of years ago, but I was like super into that at the moment. Or uh, if I, I got a new smoker, I was really into that, really into different techniques and being able to take a technique that uh, that is cooking. And like I was super into kombucha and my and I'm, I'm looking into curing meat pretty soon um, is like being brand new at something and realizing that you're garbage at it and being having to figure out how it works, whether it's uh, watching YouTube videos and reading blogs and sort of like accumulating all this information. It's good to be in a spot where uh, you are totally green and excited about something. So for me, that's cooking. And I also think that it's it's good for me as someone who teaches because um you can sometimes get hung up in sort of the the technicalities of things like REMS versus M's mm-hmm. when at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter all that much. And it's funny going into into cooking and you can look up on YouTube like this Gordon Ramsay, how to make scrambled eggs, yeah, which is yeah. like the simplest thing in the world to make scrambled eggs. And he just does this dance where he's like, on it, off, on it, off, on it, off. And he's like, put the butter in. And all, I don't know if that's a terrible Gordon Ramsay <laughs> accent. Or uh, in the barbecue world, there is people People that are uh, people that like swear against putting salt on your meat um, at the same time that you put your rub on. And there, there's all this like scientific evidence behind it and people argue over it. And it's really funny to be like an outsider looking in. And that must be what people who are new to programming looking in and seeing us argue about silly things like that. Right. It, it, like it does make a difference, but it's also at the end of the day fairly silly. Right. At the end of the day, to, all that matters is that the meat tastes good. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you, I've cooked some damn good meat either way. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, I don't think it, it matters as much as you actually think it does. So yeah. I, cooking is uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I think the parallels there are just like really anything that involves troubleshooting, learning, being able to like examine methods and, and grow and improve over time and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the other one for me is is exercise. I've been recently a couple past couple of months. I've always been into exercise, but I've been like getting like super serious into it last couple of months. Um, and uh, I, I find that good because 
Uh, I think it's I'm, I'm really into like right now trying to become like more like mentally strong mm-hmm. because like having kids is exhausting mm-hmm. and uh, trying to get all this stuff done. Like at, at certain times, you just feel a little bit overwhelmed and you feel a little bit sort of like bummed out on a lot of stuff because there's a lot uh, being thrown at you. So uh, I think that being taking like these new things and trying to to figure it out definitely helps me become a better, more well well-rounded developer. Yeah. And on that that exercise tip, uh, man, I, I read a book by this guy, Kelly Starlet, Startlet, Startlet. Uh, he's, it's called How to Be a Supple Leopard. It's a hilarious title name. But this guy, <laughs> uh, he goes from like teach, he goes from like essentially professional sports team to professional sports team and teaches them like basic movement patterns. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I read this book. It's a tome. It's huge. And basically, you find out you're doing everything in life wrong, from a push-up to walking up the stairs. I mean, then he gets into basic movement patterns for, you know, the bench press and squat and all this stuff like that. And how how these little sort of body mechanic tweaks that you can make to set yourself mm-hmm. up for success a little bit more uh, really just make a huge difference. And it's so funny because it's like, yeah, there's just an infinite amount to sort of go through in any of these things to progress yourself. Like, after you get you know, 20 pushups, you find out you can do them better or you can do them differently or you can, you know, yeah. tweak, tweak your form a little bit this way or that way. There's just so much, so much there. Um, but also if you're, if you're under exercise, that book is awesome. He, he, he's like a huge mobility guy. Definitely something to look into. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Okay. Check. Next question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't know in what universe a hot dog is a sandwich. (laughs) Sandwich is a sandwich. Yeah. A sandwich is a sandwich. A hot dog is its own class. It's a hot dog. Yeah. Exactly. So next one. (laughs) If Google, this is from Dan on Twitter. If Google realized they missed out by not hiring you and got back to you with a job offer today, would you accept it? So the the last episode, Scott and I both talked about how we both got rejected by Google. So yeah. would you take it, Scott? Uh, if it involved me having to leave Denver, Colorado, I would say no. Uh, if they were like, you could work in the Boulder campus or work from home or something like that, I yeah. might have a harder time saying no, or I would definitely be more interested to hear them out. But if it was like, you have to move to, to California right now, it would be a huge no. Or pretty much move huge anywhere no. to be any, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm the same way. Um there's no, I'm very glad that Google did turn me down because things panned out great for me. Um, like I moved to a smaller city. That's really cool. Um, it's, it's very cheap to live here. Um, and by being able to do that, it allowed me to really just like take some risks and, and focus down on my business. So, uh, I'm at a point now where like, I'm really trying to optimize career for, for happiness and, and not necessarily for money. Um, and uh, that's cool to be able to do that because then I don't have to I don't have to worry about like commuting or like I was thinking that I was in New York this past week and there's the traffic there is absolutely brutal. And there's these people in these and very, very nice cars. And I I turned to my wife and I was like, no matter how nice of a car you have, you're still fucking sitting in traffic. Right. Like unless you have a helicopter, uh, you, you still have to sit in traffic and for me, it's just not worth that, right? Like I rather uh, be, I rather go downstairs at 5.02 p.m. and I rather have that flexibility uh, that I need. 
Yeah, and that's definitely the the traffic thing is a big one. The commute and like not being able to just go into the mountains or something like going snowboarding during the weekend here it's like a huge nightmare so like being able to just go on a wednesday or a tuesday or like any random day is is just it's a it's a it's a luxury i'm not sure i'm i'm willing to give up you know yeah yeah there's um one of my favorite people in the world is mike rowe who who does the show dirty yeah, jobs yeah and he has this i don't know where i heard it once but he he just said this thing he's like let's applaud the people who are willing to do the reverse commute which is is makes so much sense because it's like literally if you do the reverse commute which is like you go the opposite way of traffic or like in life if you don't do the same thing as absolutely everybody like if you go and try to renew your health card to two hours before most people do it, you're not going to have a line. Yeah. And I think that like my whole life is trying to optimize for the reverse commute is do things at the exact opposite, do the exact opposite that most other people are doing. Um, and life will be a little bit smoother for you because you, you don't, you're not chained to the, the nine to five. You don't have to do the same things as going snowboarding only on the weekend. You can go during the week if you like. Yeah. And then things overall will be much more pleasant, right? Exactly. I think that's that's one of like the I, I guess it's people know that, but working for yourself is that's one of the hugest benefits to being able to do it. Yeah, that that is one of the hugest benefits, along with a whole bunch of stressful non benefits <laughs> that come along. With yeah, it, it kind of comes along with it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. So, uh, let's see this next one. How did Wes and Scott meet? Um, if I remember correctly you had a react course and I had a react course with the same name and you reached out to me on Twitter. Like, Hey man, change your course. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. But I think it was like, like, like two weeks apart, I had released react for beginners. And then you like a couple weeks later, you had released, which you probably were working on at the same time as me. Uh, and you were, it was called React for Beginners. Yeah. Which, and then yeah. I was like, hey, could you not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, which I knew that yours was out first and yours was yours was like, well, mine was like just on YouTube. I mean, yours was like a product. So like yeah, for me, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to get in the way of this stuff. So I, I had no problem changing mine to, a, which is funny because I already had a naming structure, which was blank for everyone. I had Meteor for everyone. I had oh, yeah. all this stuff for everyone. And then I was like, I'm going to switch it up with this particular one for some reason <laughs> and then change it to React for Beginners. And then it just happened to, yeah, to cause that collision. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and I'm glad you did that. And then what happened from there is that um, I had always been talking about uh, starting up what's called a mastermind. So uh, mastermind is a group of people who are in the similar industry to you and you meet once a week or once every month. And you sort of just sort of riff on on what's going on with you, what problems you're having, what challenges you have, what's working, what's not working. Um, and uh, it was Scott and I and uh, two other guys who, who also do sort of training tutorials in the space. And we did that for, I don't know, what, maybe about six months or so. Once a week, we would meet up for about an hour and sort of just um, one person would take the lead and, and explain, I don't know, Facebook ads or uh, I remember Scott showed me his entire recording workflow. And like we would just like get like details into like one thing that's working really well for us. And that was really, really helpful. We've since stopped um, just one of the guys uh, took a full time job. And um, I, I don't know, I think at a certain point you sort of stop receiving value from uh, specific things. And 
it, it just like I don't think it was worth meeting like past uh, past all the info that we had sucked from each yeah. other's brains. Yeah, yeah, and it got it got a little tough too. I had a, a child, and like you said, uh, people were taking jobs and stuff like that. I think it was yeah just a little too difficult to maintain at that point. Um, yeah, I highly recommend though um, getting a uh, getting into a mastermind, especially if you're trying to run your own business, mm-hmm. um, because. Uh, it, you, I always left that feeling like really amped up because uh, sometimes if the day in, the day out, you can get a little bit tired of, of your own stuff uh, and being able to, to be re-energized on a specific topic really, really helps. Yeah. I, I remember one one meeting in particular. It was called Make Scott Cry Because of His Product Page. I think that's, that's what we titled it. And it was just like, I left with like maybe like 10 pages of notes of you guys just ripping apart some of my, my store stuff. So uh, I would definitely ton of value in there. Yeah, it's true. Like people who, not just like the general public, but somebody who, who knows how to like sell uh, products, they can look at your page and be like, look, you're doing this wrong. This is like a hurdle for people. I don't really understand what's going on here. There's no really nice pictures. So uh, it, it's helpful to have a, a group of other people in the same uh, business as you. I know there's there's people that are in like six or seven masterminds. And at that point, it becomes <laughs> a little bit funny. That's your career. Because like, is yeah, just like, what are you doing? Like, I, I actually, like, it was really hard for us to meet because we really wanted to just get to work. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, there's a delicate balance that you need there. Um, next one we have is, what are your thoughts on CMSs adding JS frameworks like React? So uh, WordPress is adding uh, Gutenberg, and that's all built on top of uh, React. We're starting to see a lot of like CMSs uh, change what they are doing uh, to, to add in different types of frameworks. So um, I'll, maybe I'll give it a shot. I think this is great because I think the, the direction that we are moving in is that we're seeing a lot of separation of your CMS and your, your front end. So uh, WordPress is still going to be extremely relevant, but maybe in five years, uh, the whole WordPress theme plugin ecosystem will look a lot different. I think that uh, WordPress is going to be a really nice backend CMS where it's at the end of the day, it just spits out uh, a JSON API or uh, a GraphQL, which is pretty neat. I'm looking at redoing my own WordPress website right now in the WP GraphQL mm-hmm. plugin, which is pretty nifty. So yeah, I think that those two things are becoming further and further apart. Um, and it's really cool to see these CMSs sort of change up their their ways. Yeah, I think it's dope. I think uh, I would love to to see a, even like, to some extent, you know, it's like, which framework are you going to pick, right? I mean, everyone wants their favorite framework to be picked or to be the de facto framework for uh, WordPress or whatever. But I, I would love to see it be like pretty tightly coupled. Like I would love to see uh, React tightly coupled where you're writing your entire theme in React instead of having to deal with a API dot whatever for your WordPress site and then hitting that API, like it would be really cool if um, you didn't have to deal with any of that and you just were able to write your themes more smoothly in a nice little way that WordPress maybe does some magic for you uh, to grab some of that stuff. But, you know, whatever, it's everyone's going to have their own different versions of it. But I think, uh, yeah, I think it's entirely necessary to to go this way because I think even some of the reasons why I don't want to build a site in WordPress today is because I don't get some of the awesome you know, interactive stuff that I'm getting from React. I don't get those nice page changes and animations and, and stuff like that. The, the nice UI stuff that you get from using a front-end framework 
yeah. is, is much more difficult with just PHP loading up pages and stuff like that. So I, I'd love to see more integrations, more connections, all that stuff. Would love a, a nice tightly coupled WordPress and React. Yeah, I think that we're, we're seeing a lot of the WordPress backend move to, to React. Um, and I don't think that the, the theme system, I don't think that the killer, how do you build a theme or how do you build a website in a, one of these frameworks with WordPress, I don't think that's there yet. Yeah. Uh, because like you and I, most people are not going to fire up a Redux store and architect this crazy thing and, and have it deploy because um, that's way too hard. So I think that at some point we will start to see this is the way that a lot of people are starting to build single page apps with WordPress. Um, and I, I don't know what that is yet, but if you are a WordPress dev, um, I would sort of sit on your hands for, for a little bit more um, and, and wait until to see like what are people building these things with. Yeah, definitely. Okay, next one. Where do you find remote work? Yes, um, this is from James Chetwood. Thanks a lot for, for putting that in. Um, where do you find remote work? So I always tell this to people is there is no website. There is no like there are websites out there. There's obviously lots of like postings. But as soon as good work gets posted online, it's like piranhas come to that. And there's no way that you're going to be able to beat out like the 30,000 other people that email in for, for that type of work. So um, don't put any time into trying to find these like secret honey holes of amazing, well-paying remote work. Um, you need to like go back to the freelance episode and go through that. You need to work on your own brand. You need to work on getting yourself out there. You need to work on meeting a lot of people, asking for work, getting good referrals. And then once that, that ball starts rolling, then the work will always be coming in. Yeah. This is uh, the second time that the word honey hole has been dropped on this, this podcast. <laughs> so I'm pretty psyched about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, absolutely. There's so many things like that. It's like, uh, you're going to build your network. You're going to want to talk to people and you're going to want to, um, make relationships because I, I see on Twitter and stuff all the time. People are saying, I have a s sweet remote gig open, hit me up for more details. And, uh, if you already knew that person that did that post, then, uh, they're going to be more likely to recommend you for something like that or, or maybe in the Slack rooms, we like on the Level Up Touch Slack room, we have a like a job board and you can post your jobs and other people can respond to them and we can talk to them. And uh, I think it's it's just about forming those relationships with people who are maybe know people that need work and are able to find that work for you. And, you know, if you're not looking for like freelance work, but more like a full time remote remote job. Yeah, I, I think it's it's all about grinding to, like I said, make those relationships to find out who's, yeah. who's posting those jobs and apply for everything. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. Next one. Um, this one didn't come from Twitter. This was in, I have like a GitHub AMA. Um, and uh, someone asked this one and I got a lot of thumbs up is, what do you make your living from? So people see me sort of just tweeting all day and... Uh, <laughs> It might not understand like, like what do you do all day like where is where does your money come from so i thought that'd be kind of a uh, a neat one to to break down um yeah. do you want to go first or you want me to yeah, give us i'll take this on i have uh right. several revenue streams so for me i i i do freelance web development work so i take on maybe one or two freelance projects a month here and there depending on how intense they are just because i like building stuff and you know keeps me uh working on stuff I uh, do 
uh, I do like premium tutorial content for companies. So you'll recognize my voice on Figma's latest videos, or I've done videos actually for Sketch before. I've done them for companies, uh, just sort of all around, you'll you'll maybe hear my voice here and there on tech training tutorial videos, because who knew that doing a thousand videos would set you up to this like really odd niche of being able to do <laughs> screen recording tutorial videos for companies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's sort of an odd one, right? But uh, it definitely is nice freelance gig. It's something that I really enjoy doing. Uh, I do uh, I, I do actually get income from YouTube from ad revenue, despite it being pretty, pretty bare bones. It's, it's kind of rough at like some point it like totally cut in half. So it's not something you can rely on, but it's definitely something that comes in every month. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I sell, I have the Level Up Tutorials store where I sell my tutorials and I have the Level Up Tutorials Pro subscription where you get access to all of the Pro series or you get, I'm sorry, you get access to all of the series, like any of the ones for sale or anything like that. So if if I would like to say next year, where would I like my income to come from? I would like it to come 100% from subscriptions or sales uh, and, and be able to do So sign that. up right now, folks. Yeah, exactly, right. Leveluptutorials.com. Yeah, because <laughs> that way, because I mean, that's my core competency, right? I love making yeah. these tutorial videos. And if I could do that 100% of the time, I would be 100% in on that. But uh, the reality is I have to pay bills and stuff like that, take on freelance gigs and uh, work my butt off to make it happen. So, yeah. Totally. Cool. So I am, uh, I haven't actually taken on any uh, freelance work for about a year now. So I, I had done freelance work for, or consulting, excuse me, high dollar consulting. Oh, yes, yes. I did, yes. I did consulting for about 10 years um, and then I haven't done it in a year. Um, because now I am uh, here. I'll, let me run through it. So I have my free courses and I have my paid courses. And generally where most of my income comes from is that uh, somebody will take one of my free courses and they'll say like, oh, I like the way this guy explains things or this is really good quality or I, I, I specifically like this guy's font. Let me <laughs> go ahead and uh, buy one of the paid ones. So I've got those free ones. A lot of people who b- take the free ones will then uh, finish that and want to learn more. So they go in, into my paid one. So I'd say like 92.7% of my income comes from uh, selling courses. That's sort of my, my bread and butter. Um, but I do have like all these other smaller revenue stream. So um, on my courses, I sometimes will have sponsors. So um, I just tried this out uh, recently with, or uh, about a year ago with my Learn Redux course. I uh, partnered up with a really cool company called Sentry. Um, they do like client-side error logging or they do error logging across the board, but specifically I was showing how to use it with uh, client-side. So if you get like a console error that the, that happens in a specific browser, it'll It'll like sort of like double it up. So um, Sentry paid me to include uh, one of their videos. One of the videos in the Redux course was how to use there. And it was like a perfect fit because yeah. uh, it was a product I already used and uh, they're willing to pay me some good money for that. So that was a kind of an interesting revenue stream for me. Um, on my paid courses, uh, you'll notice that you get a, uh, I think it's a $25 credit to DigitalOcean when you buy my Node course. Um, and then what happens from that is that if any, you'll use up that $25 and then I, th- I forget what the, the arrangement I have with them is, but at a certain point, if you become a paying customer of DigitalOcean, then uh, I get a referral credit for, for you signing up for that. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, that was a good one. It, most of this stuff it comes from like negotiating custom deals with these companies because they all do have affiliate relationships. But if you want something special uh, like like that, then you you sort of like have a, have a couple calls with the the people that work there. And often what it will be is that these companies reach out to me and they're like, hey, um, like I'd love to work with you. Uh, let me know any any ideas that you have, and that'll that'll usually I get a lot more. I probably only take about 1% of the stuff because uh, it has to be a company that I've used before and that I actually believe like Century and DigitalOcean, very good companies. I used both of their products before uh, and I was happy, happy to take their money <laughs> when they wanted to uh, uh, do deals with my, with some of my courses. Yeah. And that's why when like, even like with Figma, when they wanted me to do their uh, training tutorial videos, I was just like over the moon with that. Cause I already yeah. was wanting to do my own series and I already used it daily. And I was just like, Yes, I would love to do that's, that. That's ideal when you can be like, of, of course, I, I love your company, right? And you can you can totally do a lot with that. Yeah. I think for both of us, though, it's uh, at this point, it's like whatever you can do to make it to make it work, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what else do I have? I do workshops as well. So I just got um, back from CSS DevConf uh, where I did a React workshop. So often I'll go to conferences and I'll do a talk, which uh, sometimes you get paid uh, to do a talk. Um, it's usually not a whole lot. It's between, I don't know, I think the the most I've ever got paid for a conference was about 2000 bucks, uh, And that was very rare. It's usually nothing or um, I don't know, five, 600 bucks. Uh, for a conference, they obviously will pay for your your travel and accommodations at the same time as well. Um, and then I also go in privately to companies. I don't have a whole lot of time for this right now, but um, it is very lucrative to be able to do that where uh, a company needs to like, for example, earlier I went into a company that had 50 Angular de developers and they needed to learn React. So I spent a couple days going in and training up all their their staff on React nice. and um, that's good. That's I really like that because generally the developers are all on the same page, so it's very easy to to teach to somebody a team that is all on the same page. So workshops, um, and then I have some some smaller affiliate stuff. So um, I make a couple hundred bucks on YouTube per month. It's obviously nowhere near Scott money, but uh, it's it's good. Like I'll take it. It, it pays for like it, it adds up at the end of the year. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, Affiliate deals, uh, Amazon affiliate. So if you go to my uses page or if you click on any of our generally our sick picks uh, in this thing is Amazon affiliate links. So if you click through to that and then buy anything on Amazon, uh, we get a small cut of that. So that, that adds up to, uh, I don't know, maybe a thousand, two thousand bucks a year. FreshBooks, um, I have one blog post that's called Things I Wish I Knew About Being a Sole Proprietor. I wrote it like four years ago. Um, but I consistently make 100, 200 bucks a month off of that blog post of people signing up for FreshBooks. Um, and then obviously there's this podcast as well. We've got sponsors on it from time to time uh, that, uh, that help make putting our time into this podcast worth it. So all over the place, just a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, it all adds up and uh, it's well worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, next one, can a backend dev become a good designer? Um, and this one's interesting to me because I, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, none of the, like, I think some of these things is that people some occasionally view design as like an, a nebulous sort of good versus bad sort of thing. But if, yeah. if you're a backend dev tech, 
probably you have sort of a technical brain, right? And you can look at things technically. Yeah. You can learn the technical aspects of design and and use through inspiration of getting inspiration from other places, but like learn what mathematically would make a design nice in terms of like font vertical rhythm and spacing and stuff like that. And your design's going to look good. So I think you can be a good designer regardless of anything. You just, you know, understand what your strengths are. And if your strengths are technical, understand what technically makes a good design and then uh, maybe get colors and uh, visual aesthetics from an inspiration source, stuff like that. Because I'm personally not a designer, and uh, I don't think my design's awful. I wouldn't necessarily put it in the no. Good your stuff looks category. good. Okay, well, uh, there there, there you, you have it. Yeah. So, uh, I'm def- I have no design training, right? Like I, I'm a developer and a musician and whatever, but I have no design training. So, yeah, if I can do it, anyone can. Exactly. I, I think absolutely. Um, I don't think that designers come out of the womb understanding how. Uh, to to be able to kern fonts or pick colors or any of this stuff. And what surprises me about design is that a lot of it is very technical and very rule-based, meaning that there are a whole lot of things that you can learn that are sort of like rules, like put extra spacing here, make sure you increase your line height, have a good vertical rhythm with your, uh, with your paragraphs. All these things um, all add up to technically nice looking design. There's obviously like the artistic side of it where you, you have a bit of an imagination and whatnot. But um, how I learned design was that I used to be the, the PSD to WordPress guy where people would drop a Photoshop file on my lap and then I would have to try to duplicate that in code. Um, and then what would happen is that uh, you would sort of like overlay the Photoshop file on your code and you would realize like, oh, this needed 20 more pixels of margin or padding on it and it looks so much better or this color is a little bit darker than this color and there's all these like little like the designers would just come back at me and be like change this bump this over and as annoying as that is you start to realize like what actually makes up a nice looking design so if you're a back-end developer trying to get good just go on like theme forest or something buy a couple of these really nice looking designs and just try to implement them exactly to what they look like in the Photoshop file or the sketch file. Um, and that will really start to, to set in what makes something look good. Yeah. And ask for advice from uh, designers who, you know, aren't going to like rip you to shreds. Like I have a, a couple of designer friends that I'll shoot things to and just be like, what do you think? You know, give it to me straight. And then they'll give me great feedback. You know, well, I don't know if the space is enough here or whatever. And you can look into it a little bit more. Sometimes they'll even give you a little bit more direct feedback as in move this over 10 pixels or something like that. But uh, definitely ask for feedback and and don't be afraid of critique. Grow. Exactly. Um, One little little tip I'll give you right now is um, uh, Steve Schlauger. Schlauger. I can't say his last name. Um, but, uh, he is, he's a guy behind hero patterns.com, all these really, really nice patterns. Um, and, uh, what he's done is, you know, how I post like code tips on Twitter. He's sort of taken that and started posting, uh, little design tips, um, that like things that make your website look just a little bit better. Uh, whether it's colors, whether it's like these little things that you can do, like put a, like a lot of my websites, I often put a little bar at the top of my website, like a border top on the body just to make it look a little, little nicer. Um, and then he started just like takes these little things that you can add to your design. So go to his Twitter, um, and just like scroll through the media tab and you can see a lot of these, these little tips that he has. I think they're, they're pretty nifty. 
Nice. Um, next up, what do we got here? Do you ever feel tired, Scott? This is <laughs> this is a great question because I think Scott and I both were up through the night with our little kids. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, like, what's I don't know what the answer to this is, but like, I think a lot of people um, they see us being online and posting lots of stuff and putting out all kinds of courses, and it it just seems like you're unstoppable. When uh, the reality is, is that uh, it is exhausting doing this stuff. So I don't know. Do you have any? Uh, any thoughts or tips or, or anything on this? Yeah. Uh, you know that like George Michael from Arrested Development GIF where he just <laughs> yeah. like walks in and falls down on the floor and lays down? That, that's me all the time. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I am tired. Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially since having a child, um, there's been a, definitely one of those things that like totally shakes up everything. But, you know, it's even finding time for anything at this point. I mean, I work out three days a week and I go to breaking practice two days a week and um, I record a ton of tutorial videos and do this podcast and all this stuff. But it's all about scheduling and maximizing the time that you do have so that uh, you can be helpful and take care of your life stuff in the other time and still leave time for yourself to um, like totally uh, just you know, sink into the couch at some point. Like, I, yeah. I, I certainly, like, leave periods of time, like Sunday evening uh, when Landon, Landon is my son, when Landon's to bed, uh, like, Sunday evening, I just, I go downstairs, I play some video games, and I stretch. Because I love stretching, it's relaxing, and just, like, totally chill out. Uh, so I think having these moments of, like, being able to fully recharge are extremely important um, if you're going to be the type of person who's doing a billion things. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I always get these questions on Twitter from people like, do you even sleep? Um, and I, I'm someone who needs at least eight hours, nine hours a, a night to sleep. So yes, I sleep a lot if I can, if my children allow me to. Um, and I, I think like, Sometimes you see these people online that are just putting out massive amounts and, and maybe you think that about Scott and I, but uh, my answer to that is always the reason why it seems like I do a lot is because almost everything that I do is put out in public. So uh, most people are working a job full time all day long and, and then they put out a little bit of open source at the end of the day if they can squeeze it in, whereas my entire job is putting up code, screenshots, videos, YouTube Twitter, all that stuff, everything I do is is put out online. There's not really a whole lot of stuff that gets done uh, in private. So I guess there's a, it just looks like that. Um, I definitely don't work more than, than eight hours a day, um, which I think is really important to be able to have that sort of rest and that balance. Um, and then I think the other one is right now is I'm just trying to figure out like, okay, um, I'm going to be perpetually exhausted for the next couple of years. Like, what can I do to try and hack that so that when I get, when I do have time to work, which is during the day, that I'm on and I'm absolutely slam dunking and, and making good use of that time. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out in terms of like scheduling things. Um, obviously the GTD mindset is, is really important. Trying to figure out like, how do I eat right so that I don't feel sluggish during the day because that's a waste of time as well. So um, this is not something that I have an answer to yet, but it's definitely something I'm actively, I'm also trying to like hire like an assistant right now to, to do some of the work for me. So it's something maybe like we'll come back in a couple of months and, and talk about this. Cause it's something I'm actively trying to figure out. Yeah. Uh, 
so I don't become a zombie. Yeah, we should talk about that too because I just hired a, a video editor to help me out too. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, it's somebody I've actually worked with before to do some video editing. So I'm pretty psyched about that because, I mean, I I like video editing, but it takes up so much of my time and I have a lot of video to edit. I would be better off just recording a whole bunch, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel you. And I, I think some people like, I've, I've had people get on me at work before like, like I don't have time to work out or I don't have time to take a 15 minute break because I have to work 24 seven. Like you're going to work better and you're going to sleep better and you're going to do all this stuff. If you take the time to work out or you take the time to take a break or you take this, whatever. I mean, I think in the past I haven't been entirely good about keeping it to an eight hour workday. And I'm definitely getting way better about that now. Although the eight hours isn't continuous. I'll work, you know, five hours here and then I'll go do something. I have to, you know, take care of, take care of my son or watch my son while my wife works out or any of this sort of stuff. And yep. then maybe I can come back to it from seven to nine, you know, after he's to sleep and maybe that yep. additional work, even though it's not continuous is still not pushing that eight hour work limit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's one thing I'm, I'm having, I'm slowly realizing, but having a hard time grasping is that, it's better to work a seven hour day and go to the gym during the day mm-hmm. than it is to work eight hours and not go to the gym, which just like doesn't make any sense to me. But <laughs> obviously it does work, right? Because then you're you're more focused and you're you're mentally stronger and, and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I, interesting. I quit work yesterday at three thirty to hit the gym. And then uh, it was definitely definitely uh, something that I need to do. You know, that's cool. So if, if you are a parent as well. And maybe we'll do a whole show on parenting. But if you have any tips of how to get through this as well, other than slam a bunch of coffee, because that only works so much, uh, then uh, make sure you tweet it at Syntax FM or, or Scott and I. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, because slamming a bunch of coffee does work. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to a certain point, I guess. To a I certain guess. point, yeah. I'm currently slammed on a bunch of coffee and it's not doing me a whole lot of good. So. <laughs> Next one is uh, live streaming. I know Scott does a bunch of live streaming. I've only ever done it once. Um, so people are asking, like, will you ever live stream? What are your thoughts on it? So um, myself, I don't know, maybe we'll, actually let's hear from Scott first, because Scott does a lot of live streaming. Do you like it? Yeah, I like live streaming because I can just like talk for a long time about uh, like if it's a topic that I'm interested in or, or whatever, like I did the latest one on Figma and the whole thing was like yeah. how I use Figma in my designs. And um, as a aside from the technical issues of live streaming, which I apparently this is like my fifth time live streaming or whatever, I apparently cannot get one right ev- with absolutely no issues. <laughs> I haven't had one single one go off without a hitch. Like this time it was broadcasting in 480 for some reason instead of 1080. And I'm just like, gosh darn it like one time can i get this going without having a whole bunch of tech issues but yeah uh, which is ironic because i feel like i'm a video tech kind of person um but <laughs> yeah whatever so i i uh i do like live streaming a lot and especially if it's a topic i'm i'm interested in talking about i i don't uh i don't write scripts for any of my tutorial videos so i do them all sort of freestyle on the mic and uh yeah I think for that aspect, I think I could be pretty decent at, like, I feel like if I, I planned a tutorial, I could do a live stream tutorial and have it be just as good as one of my recorded and edited ones. So I'm, I would be totally in for a syntax live stream. 
yeah if wes would be in i don't think we make we don't have too many mess ups outside of my dogs barking or something like that <laughs> yeah it, i think it'd be kind of cool to to do some sort of live stream i've done a couple um on facebook just to test the waters where i'm sort of just answering questions sort of being out on 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 the video i haven't done any live coding stuff just yet um uh, but i am i am really interested in that just because um i'm really scared that twitter is going to go away sometime soon and Twitter is a huge part of my business. Um, and like, I've obviously put a lot of stock into Twitter, but I, I like, I, I realize that uh, there's a whole younger crowd that isn't on Twitter. They're spending their time on whether it's Twitch or they're on Instagram or they're, I don't know, they're on different platforms. And I'm, I'm like sort of trying to double down right now and figure out how do I, how do I make these other things um, as big as, as my Twitter and my email list. So live streaming is definitely near the top of that list. And it's, it's fun as well. Cause you can sort of like interact with people and people ask for it fairly often. And it's a little bit more, more casual than some of my video stuff, which is a little bit more refined. Yeah. I, I had a tip I have for live coding is if you are going to live code something, make sure it's something you've done before. I've had yeah. like a couple of them where I'm like, I'm gonna just going to figure this out. And like being live on air and having people in the comments being like, just not not being rude or something, but people have been like, well, he's struggling. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, well, I've never done this before. And uh, it's hard to read documentation and look at your code while like you have all that stuff going on. So I think if it's something you've done a hundred times before, it'd be way easier. But yeah, I uh, can I'm, recommend I'm figuring something out for the first time. <laughs> I'm curious if you are a developer who likes to watch live streams or if you don't like to watch it, like tweet me and let me know because like I myself have tried to watch live streams and I find it so boring because it's not to the point. Like it's maybe like because it's a lot like my stuff is it was really nice and clean and efficient, whereas a live stream is kind of just me talking. It's a little bit slower and uh, I feel like I don't get to the actual point. It's more like just hanging out and watching someone code. So let me know what your thoughts are on, on watching people live stream versus uh, sort of a more produced tutorial like I put out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. OK, what stack? should new developers use this is an impossible question to answer yeah yeah it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah new developers i don't i don't know it depends on what you're trying to learn right i mean i i don't know new if you're a new developer my my stack is html and css and then yeah. sprinkle in some little javascript here and there but like i don't know if you if you want to if you want to be a new develop the map stack and wordpress and then i i honestly don't know if you, if you want to learn react maybe the something like next js or gatsby and if you want to learn a database i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't too much I, stuff it's here. always such a hard hard question to answer because people just want to be told exactly what to do and the answer is you sort of have to flounder around on a few things and and one i still i still think wordpress is a very good first uh web development uh introduction to people um, whether you like it or not, it's it's like a database backend for you without really have, no, having to know anything about server side. Like you have to figure out PHP tags and loops, but you'll have to figure that out with any templating language. So I think that's a really good, really good starting point um, to get started on. Um, and then otherwise, I, I think the whole like men stack Mongo Express node plus insert whatever framework you're you're interested in or just using uh, like a pug or a jade 
templating on the server side. I think that's really good to sort of get you up and running. That's specifically why my node course doesn't have React in it is because there's this whole like mindset that you need to, to sort of uh, get into when you're understanding how does the server side work and how do requests happen and how what is authentication and what is this difference between a session and a JWT uh, and whatnot. So I think that that's a really good one. I'm obviously biased because that's the stack I use. Other people might say Ruby is a really good introductory stack. I think you just sort of like pick one and stick with it and try to build something all the way through to the end. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and and like I like what you said about WordPress. I mean, because it does, it abstracts a lot of that stuff that's really tough and really confusing when you don't know, like, why isn't this just working? Well, you didn't do this and this and this and this and this. And WordPress does those things for you. And um, then you just don't have to worry about them. And you can focus on learning about the patterns of what working and something like that is actually like. Exactly. And there's such a huge community of people who are at that point where they're new developers or they've been at it for uh, a couple of years and... Um, they're not so far advanced that like, I don't know, the, the stuff debugging WordPress is easier, I think, than some of this node stuff to beginners because node will often give you a really big stack trace and, and being able to read through that and, and go through it is, is kind of tough. Um, I, I don't know the WordPress does give you PHP gives you some weird errors as well, but, uh, there's always like a chat room or WordPress Facebook group or something of people who are, are willing to, to help you through whatever that tough part is. Yeah. And you can even like find snippets, like, how do I do this? And there's like always a hit result that yeah. tells you how to do it. And maybe you don't understand why or whatever, but you paste it into your code, it gives you an opportunity to learn and read. Maybe you can go to the codex from there and see exactly what you're doing, but it gives you a little bit more opportunities because there are people that have answers for you instead of just like, I don't know, figure it out. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next one up. We got two more quick questions. Uh, what is your process for picking new tools from Tim Arnie on Twitter? Tim Tim runs this uh, really nice React uh, website. React, uh, I forget what it's called. We'll we'll link it up in the in the show notes. But if you're interested in a really good resource for React, check out his site. But uh, yeah, new tools. So if something new comes your way, like uh, like Coffee Cup JS, which mm-hmm. is the best new framework tool for transpiling, compiling your, uh, I don't know, post-it notes into React applications. Yes. <laughs> How do you decide whether that's a good tool or not? Yeah, for me, there's a couple of things. The the readme, the documentation, like if a readme doesn't tell you what the heck this thing is and what it's doing in like the first couple of seconds, like in plain English, sometimes it's it, it gets so jargony filled. It's a this and this and this for these and these and these reasons. Okay, but like what's it going to make you do? Like what, what are you going to get out of it? Is it going to make you develop React sites faster? Is it its entirely own thing? It's a user interface, a building tool, whatever. Like So having some sort of like clear understanding about what this thing is and why you would want it in a readme is uh, is a the surefire way that I'm not going to click out of it immediately just be like I yep. have no idea what this is or why I would need it and I guess second is killer demo I'm like a an eye test kind of person I'm very visual so like if there's a killer demo and your thing is the reason why this demo is so killer I'm going to be way more inclined to be like give me that give me that now you know like uh, yeah I remember the first time I saw a meteor demo and they were just like 
oh, everyone in this room, here's a text box. You enter anything in this text box and it's suddenly just going to populate. And guess what? This took me like no lines of code to make. I was just like, sold. That's really cool. I want to do that right now. Uh, I could not do that without a whole lot of code with Node and WebSockets and whatever, right? So um, the killer demo and the nice README and a nice looking set of API docs. I don't have to get into them, but like if they uh, look like they're organized and make sense, then that's all good for me. That That's pretty much it. Also, if I can see an immediate benefit of how it's going to make my life cooler. So, yeah. Awesome. I, for me, I am much more of like a like a wait and wait and see kind of guy. I don't jump on tools when they're brand new because they will inevitably change. They'll inevitably uh, break my actual application. I don't want to have to babysit something like that. So uh, I'll always wait until there is sort of like you can like really tell that there's a lot of people behind a specific tool and a lot of people are just like praising it. Like, for example, um, Apollo. I've been watching Apollo GraphQL for, for like a year now. Uh, and it just seems to be at the point now where I, I talk to enough people who are using it in production. Um, and it seems like it's at a really good spot where I can start to, to implement it into my apps without having to, to worry too much. So I just like let other people get bit by that bleeding edge. And once they're healed up and <laughs> feeling a little bit better about it, then I'll, I'll jump into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think that's important not to like not to worry too much about, especially specifically with tooling that's out there. If you see a whole bunch of people that are using a specific tool and you don't necessarily know know why, um, obviously ask questions and see why, but it, it might not necessarily be the, the, the thing that you need. Like I feel that way about Webpack right now where uh, absolutely everybody's moving to Webpack and um, it's really hard. It's, it's way too hard for, for what it is. And we're, not all, we're all doing similar stuff. Um, and I just don't, it's obviously one of the most powerful tools that's come around in a long, long time, but it's, I think it's way too hard for, for just us regular people who, who need to be able to use it. So I'm sort of just like, I don't use Webpack all that much. I use these tools that sit on top of Webpack, like Next.js, or I know Meteor has something baked into it and, uh, and whatnot. Or if, if you are fine with your current gulp setup that you've had for a couple of years and you don't necessarily need something like code splitting or, or whatever, then it's totally fine to just be happy with with what you have. Um, and I, I think at a certain point you will realize why people are using tools and, and why you might want to to move over to it. Yeah. 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 And a bunch of big names and big sites production using this doesn't hurt either. Right. When you found out Facebook had how X Minimal React components and they were going all in on it, you know, that gives it that proof that it's being used by uh, big companies to do big things. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's sort of the nice thing is React will always be used by Facebook.com before it's put out for the rest of us. So you know that like you'll likely find any bugs because Facebook.com is running it before like syntax.fm is right, actually right. running they have, it, right? They have all the incentive in the world. so uh, <laughs> To make sure that it's good. Yeah, yeah right. totally. Performative. All, or, or, I'm sorry, performant. Dang, that, there we go. Uh, someone corrected me that I said performative and the word is performant and I promised to remember that and I did remember that. Oh, So there, I'm there you very go. happy about that. Okay. <laughs> okay, last question here. This is one of those those questions. Uh, why don't you read it off? It's one of those questions that I, I usually don't entertain, but I thought it'd be interesting. Yeah, so where do you see yourself in five years? 
Yeah. So it's there's a Q&A at the conference I was just at. And one of the rules in the Q&A was do don't ask questions about the future um, because I don't know. I don't make any bets on the future. I react to stuff happening. So uh, but where do I see myself in five years? I don't know. Let, let's take a gander at this. I think I still think I still think JavaScript will be big. Um, I don't know. We've been hearing rumbling rumblings of uh, what is it? Wasm. WebAssembly? Web, WebAssembly. We're hearing rumblings of that for, for a couple of years lately. So maybe that will be a thing. Maybe it won't be. Um, I, I think that in five years, I see myself just still reacting to whatever it is that we're, we're building applications, right? Like maybe JavaScript won't be anywhere in five years. Maybe we'll, we'll have abandoned it. And that's that's fine with me because I'm not, I don't put, obviously all my, my eggs are in the JavaScript basket right now, but I know that I can react to whatever it is that, uh, we need to switch over to and, and learn, right? Like at the end of the day, I'm a developer. And if we somehow shut down the web and, and start just building native apps, or if we go the total opposite way where absolutely everything is done in, in JavaScript, I know that I will be able to, to react and sort of play along with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the uh, the only way to look at this because then think about five years ago, were you working in React? Did you know what React was? Did React exist? I had no idea. No. Like, you know, some JavaScript stuff, sure. Wait, five years ago, wait, I don't even know what I was doing five years ago. But I, I think the yeah, whole- When was that? That was 2012. Ooh, so I wasn't even, I wasn't doing any, I was doing very minor Angular stuff, maybe? No, 2012. That was- no, that was pre-Angular for me. Yeah, so I was doing Drupal sites in 2012. Drupal, uh, so it's you you can't really comprehend where you're going to be in five years, and if you think you can, then you're totally wrong. So, um, you know, five <laughs> yeah. years ago, I didn't even know anything about the city of Denver, and now it's like my favorite place in the entire world. Like, uh, you just can't predict. I, I couldn't predict that I would get a chance to interview at Google. Uh, I couldn't predict that. I, well, I guess I probably could predict that I would have a son. Or a, a child, not a son, but um, a child at this point. Yeah, okay, sure. That's like maybe one thing. So uh, in five years, I would like, here's what I'd like. I would like to be um, still teaching uh, web development or development or technical anything. Who knows? Maybe we're all going to be living in uh, virtual reality or augmented reality by then. And uh, instead of me on YouTube, I'm like sitting on your desk and I'm like pointing at shit on your computer. <laughs> like here, look here, right here. Here's the bug. Um, but I think you can't really, I think you can't, I can't, you can't plan for anything like that. And planning for stuff like that is only going to hold you back for what you can accomplish because, uh, in the essence, in the reality of it is if, if you're saying in five years, I want to be building this, then maybe you're selling yourself short because you could have been building that in two years or one year and you was part of your five year plan or something like that. So yeah, my five year, you should, yeah. Should be looking in like shorter amounts of time uh, to see like what that looks like. You should be like having goals for for three months, six months, a year out at at the most, yeah. um, because anything else is just guessing, and and that's that's sort of a waste of time. Yeah, yearly resolutions, no thanks. I used to do uh, monthly resolutions. In fact, the first app that I built in. Rails was a monthly resolution app that I would use for myself to keep track of my monthly resolutions. I'm going to do this this month or whatever and, and get better at it. Um, actually, it's one of my, I think it was my first Meteor tutorial too. I did the monthly resolutions app, but either way, yeah. Uh, uh, five-year plan, I have no clue. Uh, hopefully I'm healthy and uh, 
probably still able to dance in some capacity, probably not spin on my head or stuff like that, but um, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So hopefully that was some some tasty treats in in a Q and A form. Um, if you like this form of show versus the uh, the one specific topic, let us know. We won't do it all the time. I know that can sort of drag on, but every now and then it's nice to to answer these smaller questions and and get a little bit into it. Um, and we could even do a, a live stream Q and A too. That'd be actually really fun. That might be yeah. a, a nice way to do a live stream. Just let people. That's a great idea. If you'd like to see a live stream, tweet us. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, we're gonna move into some sick picks. Whoa! Yes. What do you What do you got for me today, Scott? Oh yeah. So this one came up on a Twitter question yesterday. Someone asked me what kind of notebook I like to use uh, because I'm a big notebook fan. I like to use notebooks. But you know, I I have some notebook the movie or yes, notebook the movie. Now I, I I've seen notebook the movie, but only have once. Really? Only once. Only. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good date film, you know. It's a date film, but not for me. Other than that, um, yeah, I'm definitely I'm a I'm a not not like an I'm like sort of a weird movie. I have a weird movie taste. I watch a lot of like 1970s Chinese kung fu films, so uh, <laughs> my my movie tastes are not to be. Uh, okay, so my notebook here. I'm trying to show it to you, even though uh, it's not on camera here or on the radio. So uh, is a five star like the brand that you used when you were in high school or middle school it's a five star spiral notebook with a plastic cover uh, that i got once from one of my employers just had a stocked cabinet full of these things and they were like the one i use i think it's like maybe 250 pages it's it's pretty thick here and it's spiral bound so you don't have to worry about a a cover or anything like that but you get big old graph paper on it so I, I get a graph paper five star spiral notebook gives you a ton of real estate it is not fancy at all it does not look cool and black like a moleskin um i have a couple of those but i just don't use them as much because the thing you can always have folded open on your desk and it's sitting there has a billion pages and it costs a dollar or so and it's awesome so uh my five star notebook is my pick for notebooks it's pretty sweet uh, my sick pick today is more of like a life pro tip, and uh, that is like read your credit card manual. So uh, I just got back from a trip to New York, and my wife's luggage was delayed for about nine hours. So they, they didn't throw it on the plane for whatever reason, and then she got it like nine hours later. Um, but I know that, it, um, and this is the reason why whenever I do a conference, I always book my own travel with my own credit card and get them to reimburse me because my credit card has um, like travel insurance and, and all these like sort of like nice little gotcha things where if your flight is delayed more than five hours or if your bags are delayed more than six hours, they will often cover uh, hotel or food or in, in the case of my wife's this weekend, um, they're covering up to $500 worth of clothing and like like makeup and, and things from the drugstore, which is pretty sweet. So uh, being able to know what exactly your credit card covers by just like reading the little manual that comes with it um, is great because uh, we've, this is like, I think this is the third time that I've actually used my credit card insurance. Um, previously, um, my, my wife's MacBook got a glass of water dumped on it. Um, and uh, what, what my credit card does is it doubles the, the warranty for the thing. So uh, Apple Care said uh it's gonna cost i think they said 2800 bucks or 1800 i think it was 1800 bucks to fix it so i just took that quote to to my credit card company 
Uh, and then they sent me a check for exactly that much. And we went and bought a new MacBook, which is amazing. Yeah. Holy cow. Um, what else? And then I, I also used I was like um, delayed. My flight was delayed due to weather. And if the airline delays your flight overnight due to weather, they don't care because it's it's not it's beyond their thing. Right. Like it's not like they crashed a plane or something like that. So uh, I was able to go into a nice they gave me five hundred dollars for the night. And I was able to buy a nice steak and get a nice hotel <laughs> and fly out in the morning. Right. Like I've used this thing like three times now. Um and it's it's just because I actually went ahead and read all of the the different perks that come along with your your actual credit card, which is pretty pretty nifty. Yeah, I like how um, the steak was the important part there. The steak was the important part. Yeah, and also like I, I know people always say like don't buy the extended warranty, um, but the amount of times that I've actually like cashed in on that extended warranty is like crazy. Like I've I've bought Square Trade for yeah, Square Trade my monitor a couple times, mm-hmm. um, and last time it like my monitor croaked like a month before the square trade was up and because it was a three-year-old monitor and i had bought it for like six hundred dollars and it was worth like nothing after three years uh they they cut me a check for the exact amount that was uh that i paid for three years ago so then you just take that check and you go buy a brand new one that obviously it's much better technology i got a 4k one instead uh at that time so it's I don't know. People are uh, really against these like extended warranties and, and whatnot. But if you if you sort of like weigh the benefits and you know that something like a monitor is going to croak in a couple of years, then you you know you're covered for that. And I've definitely uh, used them more times than I can count. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, if I see that's the whole thing. If I would have had a square trade on that phone that I shattered, I would have gotten a new phone, and then I got one on the next phone, and it didn't shatter. But that's how it goes. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. That's that's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. But uh, before everyone asked me, the Visa is a uh, it's called the Arrow Gold. It's just like it's like a pretty popular business card here in Canada. Um, but I know that every most most credit cards that you get will have some sort of like if your stuff gets stolen or uh, if you if your stuff is damaged within six months or whatever, they just go and read all the documentation for your credit card and know exactly what you're covered under, uh, and then use your credit card. Oh, this is probably bad advice, but use your credit card to buy everything, uh, obviously, but pay it off too. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a sick pick right there. I have not. That's a dove sick in pick. Enough into that, and we got to make the soundboard. I had uh, a request for the soundboard, um, <laughs> so the soundboard needs to happen. You know what I also want to do is go on like Fiverr and get one of those like radio. Oh yeah, grum- it's like welcome to syntax. Yeah, or something like that. We should we should do that. It's like five bucks. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> we could. Just All right, it. cool. Well, that's another show in the bag. <laughs> in the honey hole, man. It's that's the, another uh, show in the. That's honey another hole. honey hole in the. In the, the or another show in the honey hole. Yep. Just reach in <laughs> well, there and grab it. Yeah. Hopefully you had some tasty treats. And uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all our shows. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player and drop a review if you like this show. Until next time, peace.